Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Haley Salvian here. Another day of Hockey Central on Sports at 960 here with Logan Gordon. He's riding shotgun with me today. It's Thursday. No Flames games tonight. Uh, Calgary off to their best start in franchise history. 5-1-0 record through the first two weeks of the season. They had a long practice today, uh, but you won't get to see them play until Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. So today I think we're going to go around the league. We're going to, we're going to skirt around, talk about some other teams today. Arthur Staple, the New York Rangers beat at the Athletic. He's going to join us at around 110. Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie and NHL analyst at Daily Faceoff is going to join us around 140. A uh, big goalie matchup actually. We can probably talk to both of our guests. From what, about last night, if uh, Ilya Sorokin and Igor Sturkin, it's a good game. Sorokin was excellent. Probably stole that game. Uh, kind of, I don't know, one-upped Igor Sturkin in that one. We'll, we'll talk to Mike McKenna about that and Arthur Staple later in the show. But uh, until then, let's let's bring in Logan. What's up? How's it going? Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Another day. Yeah. There wasn't that many games on last night, so I feel refreshed. I, I I don't know about you, but I'm usually just watching hockey all night. And I think whenever there's only like three or four games in the schedule, it feels like an off night for me. So <laughs> yeah, especially I'm feeling refreshed. <laughs> not a ton local last night. I found myself really just watching the Oilers and the Blues for most of it, and I didn't yeah. I didn't do a ton of channel. You know, I watched a little bit of the Lightning and the Ducks, but. I don't know, that one didn't really jump off the page. Islanders-Rangers was done a little bit earlier, and yeah, mm-hmm. it was one of those nights where you weren't fully consumed with what was going on in the NHL. It's a rarity. Yeah, especially early in the year, and I mean, we had that one, uh, we had the one day last week, I guess, the Sunday, where there was just no games, so I don't know what's going on with the schedule lately. We've got the Battle of Alberta schedule that we've already complained about, got some off days, Eh, it's fine. Everything's fine. I wanted to, you know, it's because there weren't too many games last night. Let's let's go around what's coming. Uh, big news out of Boston today. Brad Marchand is going to make a season debut against the Detroit Red Wings a month ahead of schedule after hip surgery this off season. A uh, really significant update. I feel like I was lied to um, because yesterday we were told that he was ahead of schedule, but like don't expect him to play Thursday or Friday. And that is obviously now not the case. Brad Marchand, he's going to play against the Detroit Red Wings today for the Boston Bruins. Uh, do we have the clip? Can we, can we show what uh, Brad Marchand had to say about his initial timeline or prognosis? It came up that I was going to have a surgery. They told me it was going to be kind of end of November. Um, it's like it's not going to be end of November. <laughs> it's, it, we're gonna we're gonna see what we can do. <laughs> it's not going to be the end of November. No, apparently Thanks, Brad not. Marshawn. No, apparently not. The one thing with this though, so we heard that he's not going to be playing any back-to-backs. That's from Jim Montgomery, the head coach of the Boston Bruins. Um, so he's going to play tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. He will not play tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's probably going to play around 16, 
to 17 minutes a game. My question for you, Logan, is do you think more teams should ease guys back in like that? Or is this one of those things where it's like, well, if you've got to ease him in, is he actually healthy? Like, What what do you think when you see that? It's hard to say. I, I kind of still ride the line of I wonder if he's 100% and if you have to work him into the lineup like this, should he really be playing? But mm-hmm. at the same time, no one knows his body as well as Brad Marchand does, and he's going to understand what kind of workload he's able to handle. I think, you know, for the Bruins, if it's an opportunity, if, you know, if Brad Marchand really doesn't feel like practicing or just the general on ice, you know, stuff away from the games is going to do him any good, then, hey, I guess you can take that chance. And if you're the Bruins, you've had a great start to the season. If this mm-hmm. is going to, you know, help your team a little bit more now, I guess yeah. you can go with it. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with it, honestly. I feel like easing guys in makes a lot of sense. I think especially when we know how busy the NHL schedule has been over the last couple of years and how many injuries we've already seen early on in the season, to be honest. I think that if he wasn't ready to play even a single game or 16 minutes, he probably wouldn't be. Now, that being said, are we going to see you know, peak mid-season form, clicking on all cylinders, Brad Marchand? I don't think so. But at the same time, he's still going to be impactful. He's skating as normal. I mean, I don't think anyone's surprised. But he was skating on a line with uh, Jake DeBrusque and Patrice Bergeron. So it looks like they're going to be reunited on the top line already. And Boston looks really good already this season. They're 6-1 and one to start the year. And for me, one of the questions I had about the Boston Bruins was, are they going to be able to tread water with the injuries they had to guys like Marchand and Charlie McAvoy? I thought they would be okay. Like, I thought they were going to be fine. I didn't think they were going to turn into the New York Islanders from last season where they start the year, you know, 500 meters behind the start line of everybody else. But I didn't think they were going to arguably be one of the best teams in the league, especially given all these things that everyone always talks about with teams like Boston and Washington and Pittsburgh as, you know, when's the age curve going to start catching up? I mean, David Krejci's coming back to the NHL. You know, Bergeron's getting older. Nope, doesn't matter. (laughs) Bruins look awesome. So I was maybe a bit off in my preseason kind of look at the Bruins. But I will say, Logan, when we did our athletic season preview way too early award predictions – I had uh, Jim Montgomery as my Jack Adams winner. So that's looking pretty good so far. <laughs> that's a pretty good Gotta start. say. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to toot my own horn for a second there. Boston's an interesting <laughs> one because I'm kind of with you. I had them in that same category as Pittsburgh and Washington and maybe wondering if the best days were behind them. But they took an interesting road sort of, you know, bringing it back. But, you know. Obviously, Bruce Cassidy's moved on. Patrice Bergeron's now on a 35-plus contract and at a much lower cap hit so they can have everybody there. Mm-hmm. They kind of have a, an interesting mix there now that Krejci's back, Bergeron's there. Marshall, they're kind of bringing the band back together and mm-hmm. uh, maybe more so than even other teams because I know we talk in Washington, well, is that really the same team if Nick Backstrom isn't healthy? And, yeah. you know, the Penguins are still a good team with the, the big three there, but I don't know that their complementary pieces are what Boston's had. It's kind of cool to see them running it back as well as they have. Now, can they do it for the entire season and through another playoff run? I guess we'll still see, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot of motivation for this group, especially knowing Pasternak's at UFA next year, for them mm-hmm. to maybe try to get it done this season. 
Yeah, yeah. I think they're really interesting. And this is why I say I feel lied to, because if we knew that, uh, you know, we were told don't expect him Thursday, Friday. If we would have known, we could have brought somebody in to talk about the Bruins, but that's okay because <laughs> we're going to have Arthur Staple come on, and Arthur's awesome. He covers the Rangers, and there was that really interesting Rangers-Islanders game last night. The Rangers, to me, looked like an elite, like one of the best teams early on. And again, we know it's early. There are way too early observations. But I thought the Rangers looked like an elite cup contender through the first four games of the season. They had three wins, 17 goals. They looked very, very good. And obviously Igor Shosturkin backstopping what looked like a really good offensive group. But the next four games have been less than elite. Uh, zero, two, and two. They've only scored five times over those four games. And they've only led for about four minutes in the four games that they've played. So things aren't great. We're going to talk to Arthur about that when we have him on the line. But just a couple more things around the league. The Minnesota Wild, they're on a bit of a, I call it a run, it's a small sample size, but after a lot of the panic early in the season, looks like they're getting a bit of that bit of their game back. Mark Andre Fleury looks a bit better. They're on that quote unquote two zero and one run right now. They play the Ottawa Senators tonight. Ottawa's without Josh Norris, who might be out for the year. Doesn't sound great with that shoulder injury. That's from DJ Smith yesterday. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. They are switching things up. They are 4-3 and three to start the season. Sheldon Keefe decided it was time for a change. We're seeing a big lineup shuffle in Toronto. The only line that's sticking is that uh, William Nylander, John Tavares, and Nick Robertson trio. They've been very good. Uh, Nick Robertson's looked excellent since he got put back into the lineup after not making the team out of camp due to cap considerations. Michael Bunting's on the fourth line. Uh, Alex Kerfoot's now on the top line with Marner and Austin Matthews. So some shuffling going on there. Leafs have been a bit of Jekyll and Hyde to start the year, in my opinion. I don't know. Is there anything for you that stands out, Logan, when it comes to either Toronto or Minnesota or somebody that I didn't bring up? Because we're, we're league surfing today because the Flames don't play until Saturday. So... What are you thinking? Yeah, honestly, uh, I didn't think I'd be mentioning them, but I mean, Chicago off to a four and two start's been a bit of a surprise so far. Um, I obviously can't see that continuing for much longer. I mean, tonight might <laughs> even be a, a brutal wake up call against the Oilers, but that's a surprising team that we're talking about. Um, I, I think the Flyers are sort of in that category too. They've sort of got an mm-hmm. early John Tortorella bump, and it's always interesting for yeah. me to, to see, you know, groups that are, you know, kind of don't have those high expectations and you kind of get a view of some guys that maybe you didn't expect. I think a lot of that's happening in Philly right now with who Torts is putting his trust in early on and maybe that's mm-hmm. different than than previous regimes because for me, it's I don't think either of those teams are contenders, but could one of them surprise and maybe not fall off the map and maybe not be in it for Connor Bedard? Those are kind of <laughs> But the is that actually what they want? No, absolutely, especially not in Chicago. <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. So, good point. We'll see. Uh, let's go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline because we've got Arthur Staple. He's a New York Rangers beat writer at The Athletic. Hi, Arthur. How are you? Oh, we dropped Arthur. Never mind. We don't have Arthur Staple. I got all excited. We did, Arthur's and awesome. then all of a sudden it went away. Oh, that's all right. We'll see if we can get him back. In the meantime, I'm with you. I, I saw a really interesting story from Greg Wyshynski at ESPN kind of digging into, like, 
team tank and should should teams be doing this and you know looking at just I think uh, Brian Burke was one of the ones in there saying like no this isn't good for the game um, it's a really interesting story I, I recommend people go and t- take a read of it because that is something that comes up all the time when when players like Connor Bedard are you know the sweepstakes at the end of the year are, are you team tank do you want teams to have integrity and try to, to win hockey games? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe we'll ask Arthur that because I think we actually got him on the phone. Is that right? Hey, Arthur. Let's go to the Atlas uh, Guest Hotline. We got him? I don't think so. <laughs> Arthur, we got you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, hey. Sorry about that, Arthur. We couldn't hear you. How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I think the – I forgot to ask you this before we came on because Arthur not only is the Rangers beat writer at The Athletic, but he wrote a story that was very fun. It's one emo or punk song for every NHL team. And I should have asked you what you would like your walk-up song to be. Like, what is Arthur Staples' <laughs> emo or punk song for when he goes on the radio? <laughs> Um, I'd probably go with Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols. Just, uh, <laughs> don't wanna, I don't want to get expectations too high, you know, when I come and talk about anything. Right. That's fair. you gotta, you got to stay measured so people can be, you know, surprised maybe. You exceed expectations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Arthur, i got to ask you, because we're, we're coming to you from the show in Calgary. There's a Battle of Alberta coming up on Saturday. That's always a big rivalry, as I'm sure you know. But what's a Rangers-Islanders game like? Is that a Battle of Alberta vibe? Like, what are these games like for for the teams and when you're watching it in the arena? I'm sure the fans get pretty fired up, too. Can you can you describe what that rivalry's like? You know, it's it's fun because it's... It, I'm sure, like Oilers Flames, the records don't really matter. You know, if, if one team's bad and the other team's going good... Uh, the results aren't really assured. It happens sometimes. And, it, and the, I think the shame of it for around here is that it doesn't feel like both teams have been good maybe one or two years out of the last 30. They always seem mm-hmm. one seems to be up when the other's down. And so it doesn't quite create a hype that you'd like. But mm-hmm. um, when you're in the building, whether it's on Long Island uh, at UBS Arena or at Madison Square Garden, there's always a ton of opposing team fans, which is great. So it kind of creates a, a real, you know, charged atmosphere in the building. And uh, and the players definitely feel it, which is good. You know, I think they understand, even if they're all new to it, um, even if there's guys that like each other on both sides, which we have right now. I mean, Wayne Lambert was a groomsman and Gerard Gallant thing back when I played in Detroit together 40 years oh, ago. So they're good friends. And Igor Shesterkin and Billy Stroke are good friends, going back to the days in the KHL. So... Um, but I think they all get it. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like last night, and, and we'll get into maybe this four-game losing streak a little bit more with you, Arthur, but it seemed like last night in the game, Shesterkin versus Sorokin, um, Sorokin gets the shutout. He looked really good last night. Was that one of those games where, yeah, maybe the, the Islanders aren't, aren't doing as well, but they, but they come in and, and they have a really good game and they're backstopped by by a really good goalie? I mean, Sorokin looked, looked pretty good last night. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it, it was Yarrow Halak for the Rangers because the, the Rangers had played right, the yes. night before uh, against Colorado. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, I, I think the, the, the sort of season that Shesterkin had last year for the Rangers, uh, Sorokin's just as capable of, of doing that. And I think that's obviously a huge key for the Islanders. They're not as offensively potent as, as the Rangers can be. And, and, you know, even with the change behind the bench going from Barry Trotz to Lane Lambert and, and them wanting to play a different style, they kind of are who they are. They're a team that's, that's got to win a lot of, you know, 3-1, 3-2, 3-0, 2-1 type games. And Sorokin's going to be a big key for them to doing that. And he's, he's got the track record to, to show that he can do it. Um, he wasn't really able to, to kind of step forward and, and seize control last season for, you know, the, all the obstacles that the Islanders faced at the beginning of that year. But, um, if they can kind of sort themselves out and, and play that, that, that kind of game that made them successful under Barry Trotz, mostly with Semyon Barlamov and, and going back to Robin Leonard and that, which is winning low scoring games, getting above average goaltending and, and being opportunistic on their chances. Then yeah, they could, they could turn it around. And, and I think as far as the Rangers go, uh, they're the ones now with the four game winless streak, like you said. And, um, you know, that game, uh, kind of, it, it, you wouldn't call it must win for either side, but uh, but the Islanders probably needed it a little bit more than the Rangers, and now the Rangers are going to be in need of some points uh, in these next two games coming up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I said this before you came on, and you have a story about maybe what's gone wrong so far, but it seemed like the Rangers, I mean, they looked great in their first four games, and you always kind of look at the five-game segments. I know they lost that fifth game, but they looked great through that first five-game segment of the season looked like a, a really elite kind of early contending team. The last four games, maybe not so much. It, it, what's maybe gone wrong in the last couple games for the New York Rangers, Arthur? You know, their power play looked really good in the first four. I think they were five for 15, and I think it's one for 15 in the last four. And that's, you know, with the sort of skill that they have on that top power play unit, um, they don't need to be such a such a potent five on five team when they can when they can hurt you on that power play and um, you know the offense uh, hasn't really been clicking power play or or any phase of the game um, you know Chris Kreider fifty two goals last year he's been stuck on two for a while Vincent Trocheck one of their new acquisitions also stuck on two you know Artemi Panarin still among the league leaders in points. Mm-hmm. But obviously he needs some help around him. And, uh, you know, the goals that they've gotten in this stretch uh, haven't really been from the big boys outside of Panarin. Um, you know, they got a couple of uh, third-line goals against the Avs to help them out, uh, and obviously nothing last night. So, you know, they're, they're really a team that's driven by their top six, driven by, you know, their top top defensemen like Adam Fox. Uh, and when those guys aren't producing or aren't generating enough good scoring chances, you know, this is the result. They're just, uh, you know, a lot of teams, obviously in the cap era, can't hurt you one through 12 up front. Um, and the Rangers really, if one through six aren't getting it done, they're not going to get a whole lot done. Mm-hmm. Is there something that, you know, in, in what you've seen, Mika Zibanejad, obviously he looked great in the first four games of the year, the last four, zero goals, zero points. Uh, is there something that you've noticed that, might need an adjustment or is it just a matter of puck luck when it comes to Mika? You know, I think he's such a, he's become such a weapon, especially on the power play that, uh, you can overlook if they're having, you know, him and Chris Kreider have been line mates for a long time. You can overlook it if they're not producing at even strength. Um, but I think the chances have been there for those guys. Uh, you know, they, looking at some of the data, they lead the league in scoring chances as a team. 
you know, I think Kreider is, is up there in terms of expected goals. He's, he's one or two in the league among forwards. Um, so, you know, you'd be more worried if nothing was happening for them and, and they weren't producing any chances. But I think they feel like the chances, you know, the goals will come if they keep producing these kinds of chances. They had 46 shots on net against the Avs. They had 41 against the Islanders. I don't think they had quite as good a game scoring chance-wise in terms of quality against the Islanders, and that's kind of what happens when you play the Islanders and they're at their best. But um, mm-hmm. but I think with Zibanejad, he he does so much for them. Uh, you know, he's their top penalty killing forward. He's one of their top power play forwards. He goes out and takes a lot of the important faceoffs. Uh, you know, I think he's the kind of guy that does enough other stuff that the offense will come back around. I think you, you get more worried about guys like Kreider, who outside of last season was a real streaky player in terms of not just production, but in terms of effectiveness uh, in all phases. So you don't want him to drift too far if he's not producing the way that he was last year. And and I think with Panarin. Uh, off to such a good start on that second line with Trocheck and Alexi Lafreniere, mm-hmm. you still feel like uh, you know those guys are going to are going to be able to put the puck in the net or produce some goals when it matters. But uh, you obviously don't want to slump like they're having with five goals in the last four games. If that starts to last too long, this is kind of that time of year between now and and our Thanksgiving down here where uh, <laughs> it, it, it too many of these kind of games, and suddenly you find yourself climbing uphill in quicksand to try to make up points and it just it's it's a lot more difficult than I think it that people seem to realize even though you're only 10 15 20 games into the year so uh so I think the Rangers understand that there's got to be some urgency here now to, to produce some offense and maybe after this weekend they play in Dallas and Arizona back-to-back if, if things still aren't producing well then you never know uh what can happen in terms of trying to shake up the lineup a little bit Mm-hmm. I guess it is probably too soon and maybe unfair to ask, but, you know, what version of the Rangers do you think is the one that we're going to see after 82 games? You know, is it going to be that really elite-looking team from the first four, uh, this last four, where, where they've got some things going wrong? Or is it probably more realistically somewhere in the middle? Like, what do you think is a realistic expectation of what this team is going to be when they're kind of clicking consistently? I still feel like they're an upper echelon team. You know, I don't, I, Igor Shesterkin, you know, you don't really get a whole lot out of him, uh, after games or, or after practices. He's a pretty quiet guy, but I think it was after the Anaheim game where they won 6-4 and gave up a couple easy late goals. You know, just asking him about the team, team's play overall. And I think he said it quite simply. It's like team played very good. I played very bad. And I don't <laughs> think he's, he's a pretty harsh, got a hard, lot of harsh self-assessments um, and it's going to be hard to duplicate what he did last year that was one of the best goalie seasons in the last 50 years mm-hmm. but even if you know I, I think he's been a little bit below his expectations so far this year um, and I think we'll start to see the you know a better version of him as we go forward he just he's a guy who gets in a rhythm and, and is hard to beat and he was ex- exceptional against the Avs I think just his old his old goalie tandem mate Alexander Georgiev was just that much better uh, just mm-hmm. a slightly bit better winning in the shootout so I think if that version of Shesterkin is the guy that you see going forward um, they'll start to pick up points it's it's uh, they're a good enough team to uh, to make up for whatever shortcomings they have defensively and let him clean up the things that they need to be that need to be cleaned up and uh, and he'll get if he gets in a groove I think um, they're too potent a, a, a high end group to really struggle along the playoff cut line uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Arthur Staple on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline, uh, Rangers beat writer for the Athletic. Um, what do you what have you thought about Yaroslav Halak so far? I mean he's 03 
He's 0-3 to start the year, 867 save percentage. Is that going to be an issue where we see Igor Shesterkin being leaned on with a really heavy workload, um, or is, is his kind of numbers maybe a product of a lack of run support from these last few games? I mean, he's certainly got, he's only gotten two goals in his three starts, so that, that, that can't help anybody in there. Uh, you know, he was, uh, he was not good against Columbus on Sunday, uh, gave up a couple of real low danger, you know, goals, which is usually a recipe for either getting pulled or certainly for your team losing. So that was, that one was certainly a lot on him. Uh, and last night, I didn't think he was bad. Um, the Islanders didn't have a ton of, of high danger chances and, you know, maybe he gave up one that you, if you saw Shesterkin in there, I think maybe that, the Islanders' first goal by Kyle Palmieri was one that maybe Shesterkin stops and Halak doesn't, but you know he mm-hmm. is your number two goalie, and you're gonna you're gonna there's there's a reason that you have a number one and a number two in this scenario. He's a bit of a drop off. He's 37. Um, he's a proven quantity uh, for all his years in the league, but but I think the level that he's at is not going to be as high as Shesterkin's, and you just kind of have to accept it with the back to back situation. So. Um, I don't think they've lost faith in him. I think he knows that he was bad uh, against Columbus last weekend, and he was certainly better against the Islanders. He's quite, you know, almost certainly going to get one of these two games this weekend coming up when they're on the road because they're also back-to-backs. And I think they have faith in him. Um, you know, they do have Louis Domingue in the in the minors, uh, again, <laughs> used to being called up and, and into spot duty when needed. So, uh, you know, they have an insurance policy, but really, this is, you know. It, this season kind of rests on Shesterkin's shoulders, and and if he's uh, you know he's not going to be a nine thirty five goalie again, I don't think. But even a nine fifteen or nine twenty goalie probably gets them closer to where they want to be, and and he's obviously going to be the guy that that they ride in the playoffs. So um, they just need they need capable play from Halak, and gotten it maybe one and a half out of his three starts, not ideal, but uh, but I think you know for a guy who's going to make twenty five or thirty starts, I think they still feel okay with him there. Mm-hmm. I guess the last one for you, Arthur, this is something that's, you know, I, I know that you've written about this and it seems like it's been kind of a constant question over the last couple of years, but you mentioned Alexi Lafreniere. He's on that second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. Um, he's playing on the right side. What do you think is the best fit for him on this lineup in the kind of short and long term? You know, I think... I think he's starting to understand and the team is starting to understand that it's whatever gets him the most minutes. You know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough top six to crack on the left side. They've always got Kreider, who's been a left wing for over a decade on the top line and he works well with Zibanejad. You've got Panarin. He's not coming off the left side, uh, as your second line or winger and, and certainly, you know, Lafreniere is a guy who would probably thrive on getting some power play time, um, you know, like, Tim Stutzel, let's say a guy who was drafted the same year as him up in the top five. Um, you know, I think you, you, you look, you try to compare numbers with some of the guys that were drafted with him, and you see a guy like Stutzel who's got, you know, had big points last season in Ottawa, got himself a pretty big contract. And it's really a function of Stutzel getting the minutes that Lafreniere doesn't. And I, you know, and he was coming out of camp. There was a chance that he was going to start the year the way that he finished it on a, on kind of a kid line on the third line with, with Philip Heedle and, and Capo Caco, but, you know, it seems like Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff understand that, that Lafreniere has too much skill and adds too much to, to really keep him as a, as a 14 minute a night guy on the left side. And I think he's also starting to understand as he matures that, uh, that you just, you, it doesn't matter where you play. You gotta, if it's gonna be the right side, then you learn a little bit more, a few more tricks to, 
to you know be in your D zone in terms of positionally on the wall on the right side or getting pucks out uh, off the wall a little differently than you would on the left side and uh, and I think he's been pretty dynamic. The numbers haven't really been there. The results haven't been there. But for a guy who's getting pretty strictly five on five time and maybe a you know a, a minute if he's lucky of power play time uh, backing up the the top power play unit. Um, I think he understands that he needs to make the most of it, and that's going to be on the right side for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, I think this is probably the ideal setting. And I, you know, unless the offense continues to struggle for, you know, multiple games, I can't imagine he's going to come off the right side, go back to the left, and be a third liner uh, anymore. He's, you know, he's too elite a talent to, to waste in that spot. Mm-hmm. Amazing, good stuff. Thank you so much, Arthur. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And are you are you heading to Dallas this weekend? Or are you gonna go over there? No, I'm sitting this one out. So I'm gonna go to ballet class with my daughters instead. Seems like uh, might be a better choice. But I'll be back <laughs> with the Rangers again next week when they're home. That's lovely. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Arthur. Enjoy the enjoy the weekend and the ballet classes. We appreciate you hopping on. <laughs> Thanks, Haley. Anytime. No problem. There goes Arthur Staple on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-4... I already said 403. Wow. 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. I think the Rangers are super interesting. Again, I thought they looked really great in the first four games, kind of... Not so great in the last four, but I think all that context from Arthur is really great. And I think when you're looking at a guy like Mika Zibanejad specifically and, and all the other things he brings to the table, um, sure, he hasn't scored in the last four games. But if you look, he's had 18 shots on goal. That's just like shots that get to the net. We're not talking shot attempts. We're not talking five on five. 18 shots on goal. In all situations from Mika Zibanejad, we've seen the way that that guy can score. He's not going to go over 18 <laughs> uh, all that often. So I don't think, I don't think there's anything to worry about. When I, when I hear everything Arthur's talking about and I know they've lost four and it's a bit of a skid, I don't know if I'm worried about the New York Rangers. Logan, what do you think when, when you hear everything that, that Arthur had to say? I, I, I don't feel, I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so bad about it. I still think they're a pretty good team. It's just a puck luck thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a young team that's still sort of managing expectations. When you go to the Eastern Conference Mm -hmm. Final, I think the biggest thing for teams like the Rangers is no one's going to take you lightly anymore. Like You're not going to be a surprise to anybody coming in this season. They're well aware that you've got some top talent. They're well aware that... They're going to need to put everything on Igor Shosturkin if they want to win. I just think that they're kind of out of that circle of, I don't want to say anonymity, but it kind of feels mm-hmm. like that when you're a rebuilding team. And I remember they sent out that letter all those years ago to, not all those years ago, but a couple yeah. of years ago to, you know, to their fan base saying, hey, stick with, yeah, <laughs> stick with us. We're, it's going to be a tough process. And then all of a sudden, Capocaco's there and Lafreniere's there and Fox is winning a Norris. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel that long ago. That, to me, that time's done with now if you're the New York Rangers. You're going to have to be ready to bring it every single night because you're not going to catch anybody by surprise. And I think that's still a learning process for a team that's learning to be a contender every single year. I think the timeline of the Rangers' rebuild is really interesting. And I and I think that, so what is it, in 2017, 
you know, they're eliminated by the Senators in the Stanley Cup in the semifinals, and that's kind of the start of, ooh, it's a little bit down. When was it? When did that letter come out? I think that letter came out in 2018. Is that right? Where they say we're, we're going to... Yeah, I think it's definitely... <laughs> we're going to rebuild on the fly. So Pre-COVID. Yeah, and it, I think it's interesting because I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of looking at the New York Rangers as look at how quickly this can happen. And I think that's, that's always something that I've said is like, no, you can't, you can't use the Rangers as the example of, you know, retooling on the fly or rebuilding so you can, you know, get to a, Eastern Conference final within four years because the Rangers do have the the benefit of having guys like Artemi Panarin leaving Columbus to say, nope, I've always wanted to play for the New York Rangers. And guys like Adam Fox saying not just to Calgary, but to the Carolina Hurricanes as well. Nope, I want to play for the New York Rangers. So I don't think this is a team that we can look at and say, here's the blueprint of how you can go from being a disappointment to no. <laughs> a contender. And it was, Absolutely it was not. <laughs> February 8th, 2018, that Glenn so Sather and Jeff Gordon sent out the letter. And the line here that is the key one to me is we appreciate that you've always stood by us and we ask you to remain by our side as we undertake this exciting new chapter filled with promise and change. <laughs> so yeah, four years later, they're yeah, in it's the worked out pretty Conference well. Final. Yeah. yeah, must be nice. Yeah. Anyways, that's enough Rangers. I do appreciate uh, Arthur Staple coming on because I think he provided some good context because I think you look at it. You know, I'm, I'm helping out on the power rankings this week and I was updating all of the the results pages and you just go in and see what they were, what their record was at last week. And then you're updating it. And you go, oh gosh, they actually, they've actually gone on a four game losing streak and you start to wonder what, what's going on there. And you watch the teams, you, you keep an eye on everything, but it's always nice to hear from the guys that are, are in and around it every day. And, and Arthur spent a long time covering the New York Islanders as well. So obviously an Islanders Rangers matchup. It, only made sense to bring Arthur Staple on. So coming up next, we're going to have Mike McKenna on the show. We were talking about Igor Sturkin, uh, Ilya Sorokin. There's lots of goalie chat. I think we can talk a bit about Jacob Markstrom because we are on sports at 960 in Calgary. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to have Mike McKenna. We're going to continue going around the league with him. He's a former NHL goalie and now analyst with Daily Faceoff. That's coming up next on sports at 960 The Fan. Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program, Sportsnet 960. Haley Salvian here on Hockey Central with Logan Gordon. Logan, what are you going to do until Saturday? Next Flames game, taking on the Oilers, the second of three Battle of Alberta's. What, what do you got? How do you pass the time? Well, tonight's easy because if you've listened to the station, you know that we have the uh, Eric Francis Pizza Pig out tonight. So that will help. Mm. That will help pass the time tonight. We'll be at Cowboys uh, raising money for kids sports. So that's always uh, a very easy night. Tomorrow night will be the difficult one. Um, as most people do, It's uh, you get socially anxious sometimes. You're like, I don't really want to go out and do anything. 
<laughs> it's much easier to just stay at home and not make plans and just oh, I gotta watch Absolutely. hockey all night. I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't possibly go out and do something. But uh, three days in between, I might have to. I've got a built-in uh, excuse tonight, which is good with the the pizza pig out. But I'll have to figure something out for tomorrow. That's great. It's a big uh, it's a big day for. For stuff like that, for for doing good, I saw this morning. Obviously, some of the Flames were at the Special Olympics breakfast, and in Calgary, made a massive donation, thirty thousand dollars this morning. Uh, and it's Rasmus Anderson's birthday, so we went and spent the morning of his birthday doing that, which was really nice to see. So it's a good day. You know, there's no games, but seeing Flames out and you guys, obviously, out in the community doing stuff around Calgary. So it's really it's great to see. I love that. Yeah, that sort of stuff never gets old. Uh, it's always the best stuff. And I know yesterday, too, I should mention uh, the Flames Foundation. They gave $1.25 million to the Rotary Flames House uh, here in Calgary, and that's always huge. I love how much the Flames do in the community. And not, that I, not that other teams don't. I know they do, but obviously being in Calgary my whole life, uh, I'm very used to seeing how the Flames do their stuff in the community, and I, I just think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was the Flames alumni who made the donation this morning, and then yesterday it was it was the Flames. But either way, it's great. Um, I know that when when Mark Giordano first left and, and went to Seattle, I, I know he was such a big person in the community. But I was talking to some people about it, and, and everyone was so grateful for everything that Mark did. But I, I had a lot of conversations with people in the community too, who were like, "Yeah, but the, you know, we've still got Michael Backlund, and he does a lot, and Andrew Mangiapane's doing more." And uh, it seems like you know, it wasn't just the captain who was who was out and about and doing stuff for people in Calgary. There, there's a lot of guys who who are really involved, which is. Which is great. Um, we are standing by. We're waiting for Mike McKenna to join us, uh, former NHL goalie, current NHL analyst on the Daily Faceoff. We're going to continue going around the league with Mike. Um, I think one of the things that we can get into, Logan, before he joins us, though, and, and I saw this on the DFO podcast, so we'll tee him up in that sense. One of the questions that they were getting into was, are the Calgary Flames the best team in Canada? What do you think right now? Oh, it's a good question, and it's a toughie, yeah. I'll have to think that one out for a little bit. I don't know if I can – I might have to hedge on that for a minute. (laughs) That's tough. I I know, because I think it's it's interesting if you think – you know, what do you think of the Leafs? I, I, I think you've got to do a process of elimination. I don't think the Jets or the Canucks are, are up there. I think when you're looking at who's the best, I think everyone has a different maybe definition of that in the sense of, like, who has the best players or who's going to be the best when it matters most. Like, if you think who's going to go the farthest in the playoffs, maybe that's one way to answer it. I think people always struggle with that question because in Edmonton you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that's kind of the ultimate trump card. Uh, we do have Mike McKenna with us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Mike, we're talking about something we saw on the DFO show that you and Frank Saravalli do. And I stole your question because I think it's such a good one. We're, we're getting into like who's, who's the best team in Canada? Is it, in, is it the Calgary Flames? And Logan's hedging. Uh, what do you think? What, what do you got? Is, are the Calgary Flames the best team in Canada right now? Yeah, right now the Flames are to me. You know, you just look at how strong the acquisitions have played for that club, whether you're talking about Huberto or Uyghur, Kadri especially. I mean, to me, he's 
easily a top 10 player in the National Hockey League right now. I don't know what happened with Kadri that caused that switch to flip before last season in Colorado, but he's been phenomenal in, in Colorado, Calgary, you name it. Um, but I, but what I think, though, is that I still believe Edmonton by the end of the season is going to be the team to beat out of Canada. And my reason being for it is that I don't think that the Oilers have really hit their stride, even at 5-on-5 five five play. Um, there's a bit of room, room for growth in their in their power play. Um, but what really needs to happen is they need a little bit of help from the defense on their offensive side of things. I think the defensive mm-hmm. side hasn't been too bad for Edmonton, and um, and I think that Campbell's still adjusting a little bit. So by the end of the year, and I think by the time you get Broberg and Hollowell, um, or Holloway, sorry, playing better for that club and being a little bit more adjusted to the NHL, Edmonton's going to be a real threat for me. They just they haven't mm-hmm. quite clicked at 5-on-5 five five the way you know even Calgary has. And I think Calgary right now is just slightly dependent on their power play compared to the 5-on-5, but they're so strong across the board that I think if we're really trying to to dial this down between two clubs, it's tough to pick because Toronto's lurking too. I just don't believe in Toronto. Like, I, I just can't, I cannot put my weight behind that team, whether I should or shouldn't with it on paper, anything. I just, I don't believe in Toronto just yet. They're going to have to prove it to me. Why? And I'm, I, we'll get back to Edmonton, but I'm curious to dig into that. Why don't you believe in Toronto? Is it something about their five-on-five play, their blue line, their their goaltending is certainly uh, a major question mark. What is it about the Leafs that has you uh, a little tentative? Goaltending is is probably less than defense for that club, but goaltending's real. I mean, if they lose Samsonov, heads up. You know, we don't know when Murray's going to be back. I don't think that Murray's going to own that crease anyway. I think it's going to be Sam Sonoff's. And let's face it, he's been wildly inconsistent throughout his career. If he can keep playing with the level of detail that he needs that he's shown so far this year, I think Sam Sonoff can continue to be a serviceable goaltender in Toronto. Can he take that next step? Um, there is room for growth there. He has potential, but you just don't know. Um, that team without Jake Muzzin, I thought they were probably one defenseman short from being a really strong club in that area in the first place. And now you take out Muzzin, you put more load onto Giordano, you put more load onto Hall. Like, I'm just, I'm not sold with that club being able to bring it defensively most nights. Um, but you know the offense is going to be there. I mean, Matthews is, it's, he's going to catch fire at some point, and they're going to be able to outscore teams. But you win by defending. That's what happens in playoffs. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to Edmonton because, obviously, we're talking about the best team in Canada. We're looking at Calgary. We're looking at the Oilers. Obviously, there's a battle Alberta coming up on Saturday. What do you make of their goaltending picture right now? Because you're looking at Jack Campbell, who they brought in to be their number one. He's played in, in five games. We've seen quite a bit of Stuart Skinner as well. Uh, when you look at their goals against, I mean, Jack Campbell's been scored on 15 times uh, through his first five games. Stuart Skinner's been scored on four times. Are, are we seeing the, the number two kind of outplaying the number one right now? And, and do you think that's going to do anything other than just push Jack Campbell? Like, are we looking at a, you know, should they be splitting the net a little bit more situation early on? That's tough to say. You know, I, I think when... You look at a scenario like this, and it's a very, very small sample size for Stuart Skinner. He, mm-hmm. If you're the Edmonton Oilers, you're thrilled. Like you're, you're absolutely pumped that the guy that you've developed in-house, who's a hometown goaltender, you're happy that he's been successful so far. But you're also very aware that hey, this has been a very limited sample size. He's shown well right. so far in his career. 
You need Jack Campbell, though. Five years times five million bucks, that's your horse. He's not going anywhere. He's got to win. He's got to play. Now, I do think, though, that when you look at the when you look at the quality schedule Edmonton's had, they have had a tough go so far in your, this season. Like, they have faced very good teams. They faced St. Louis twice, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Calgary. I mean, even Buffalo. Like, that's a really good club there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I look at it in this way, that Campbell's still going to have room to grow. I don't think he's played his best hockey. Um but it's, it's can he manage that consistency and can he find that over the course of the length of the season? I still thought that Stuart, Stuart Skinner was going to play more than people realized this year. I thought it was very realistic to think Campbell plays 50, maybe 53, 54 games and, and Skinner plays anywhere in the 30 to 35 range. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And I actually think it's a good thing. You'd have a rested goalie going into playoffs. Mm-hmm. You had a really good story out on uh, Daily Faceoff about Alex Stalock. What can you tell us about him and, and what you wrote about him uh, the other day? You know, what's amazing to me about Stalock is that this is a goaltender who has ostensibly been out of the NHL now three times during his career. Twice, I guess twice realistically and once uh, had a stutter to his career that prevented him from getting to the NHL early on. In 2011, he had a player opponent step on his leg. Sliced the tendon, sliced the nerve in his leg that controlled all movement of the lower part of the extremity. He basically had to learn to walk and play hockey again. So he missed almost a, almost a full year of hockey. Comes back from that one, and within a year's time frame, he makes the San Jose Sharks. Things go pretty well there for a couple of years. Has a bad season. He ends up in the American League with the Iowa Wild. Crushes it. And then he ends up with the Minnesota Wild, his home, his home state, the next year. He's there a couple of years. And then, then the weird world hits with the pandemic. Stalak gets COVID. He ends up de- developing a heart condition from it. Misses an entire season of hockey. Last year, his numbers look like a credit card in the American League between Bakersfield and San Jose. Like, awful numbers. Won four games. Played one game in the NHL and got pulled. I legit thought Alex Stalak's career was over. Like, I didn't think he'd even get an American League contract. I was I was shocked when the Blackhawks gave him an NHL one way this summer. Like, Dustin Tokarski played 29 games in the NHL last year for the Buffalo Sabres and was very serviceable, and he got a two-way from the Penguins. And here's Stalock with a one-way in Chicago. So I had to step back, and I had to realize, well, Chicago's trying to lose. And I I hated that, right? Like, from a goalie's perspective, I'm like, well, they're picking up a warm body to back up (laughs) Razik. Well, here comes Stalock with a 938 and a 3-1 record to start the year for a 5'11 goalie on a team that's not supposed to be winning anything. This guy, hand him, can you just engrave the plaque with his name for the Masterton? If if Alex Stalock stays healthy through this entire season and continues to play for the Blackhawks the whole time, you got to give it to him. I, I, there's no other word that can describe Alex Stalock than, the, than perseverance. That's absolutely yeah. what it is, um, and it's been a really cool story so far this year. That's awesome. It sounds great. We're going to mark it down and, and we'll, we'll bring you back. I mean, we'll bring you back sooner than that, but, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes and see how his season goes and, and see what happens with, with the Masterton. One of the things we were talking about earlier on in the show, we, we talked quite a bit about the Boston Bruins. That's obviously a big story. Brad Marchand coming back tonight. He's making his season debut a month ahead of schedule for the Bruins. Are they a Stanley Cup contender this season, in your opinion, Mike? I'm not sold on it right now. Um, okay. Which is probably unfair to the. I think it's unfair to the Boston Bruins to say that, but we're just so early in the season. I had them picked as getting a wild card spot in the East. 
Now, that was largely due to what I expected to be a tough start, missing Marchant, uh, missing Charlie Mac- McAvoy on the on defense, and a new coach coming in, and Jim Montgomery, who's had great success previously in Dallas before uh, before he was let go of that club. And I, I just didn't feel like there was enough certainty. Well, what we've seen is David Krejci still David Krejci. And he's made that Boston team really good down the middle. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're looking at your top four. You've got Bergeron, Krejci, Charlie Coyle, who I think is a really good third-line center, and Tomasz Nosek, a very underrated fourth-line center. And then the biggest story for me is two other things on the defensive side. Hampus Lindholm has taken over and chewed up those minutes without McAvoy there. He looks like a great addition to that club coming over from Anaheim Mm -hmm. last year. And Linus Olmark, he's 5-0. and oh. I talked about mm-hmm. it endlessly at the start of the year that they needed a goalie to grab that crease, whether it was Swayman or Olmark. Olmark's been really good. So is that team a contender? I think we're really going to find out by the time McAvoy comes back. If they, steep, if they keep crushing clubs and Olmark keeps up the pace he's on, I would say they are. But I need to see that play out for another month or two. Mm-hmm. Last one for you because we got about a minute left. If you're put yourself in Jacob Markstrom's shoes, you have a bit of a shaky start to the season. You have a good 40 minutes against Carolina, a good game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's only one game left this this week. It's against the Edmonton Oilers. Are you going to Daryl Sutter and saying, put me in? Absolutely. You're saying put me into every game. That's, that's <laughs> the mindset. And I know that mindset of Jacob Markstrom he wants to play, and you should. You want a goalie that wants to crease. Like, you want a goalie that wants to play 82, and you have to st- save them from themselves. I was that goalie. It wasn't at the NHL level. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> trusted me at that level. But at the American League, man, you had to rip me out of that crease. And I really believe it that if you're Markstrom, you have to have the feeling that this is maybe not the year, but the team that can contend. Like, last year really gave a taste. And I think that that's mm-hmm. there again this year with Calgary. So, yeah, if I'm Marshall, I'm saying give me that crease all day long. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mike. We really appreciate the time, and, and we'll have you on anytime you want to talk about some of these goalies and stuff around the league. We appreciate the insight. Anytime. Happy to do so. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. There goes Mike McKenna from the Daily Faceoff on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. That's all the time we have today on Hockey Central on Sports at 960. It's a reminder to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your shows. And we will see you again on Friday tomorrow at 1 o'clock.